three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode 102. Here we are. It's January 7th. It's a new year. How's it feel, Josh? Already a weekend. Jeez. Weekend. Yeah, it feels pretty good so far. Pretty good. Can't <laughs> complain. No. Another year, another gazillion dogs to train. There it is. I tried to do the math the other day. Mm-hmm. I was trying to factor out, like, how many dogs did we work with this year? And I think I came up with a number that was somewhere in the, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Let so, think. like, <laughs> somewhere in the five to six hundred dog range. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Now, that could be give or take like 50, right? Yeah. But but it definitely is over 400 and definitely somewhere in that range. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a lot Quite of dogs. Yeah. You really break that down, that's a shit ton of dogs. Yeah. What, like what, what would that be a month? Well, it, that, that's the thing is like, you know, the math is very, very hard to do because yeah. like... We don't really have a way to look up like how many individual new clients signed up. I could just go yeah. off of how many transactions for like new programs yeah. and single sessions and all that kind of stuff. And what, you know, because we typically sit at capacity year round. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of do the math of like what is our capacity per month as far as how many one on ones we could do, how many board and trains we could do, stuff like that. But it's definitely up there in that range, which is in like the higher tier of things, I would say. Right. Yeah. I think Even I saw somebody sense. else make a post. Just a couple days ago, it was like a New Year's wrap-up post or something. They were like, yeah, we trained. And there's another facility that has multiple trainers and stuff like that. They're like, yeah, we trained like 150 dogs. And I was like, man, I was like, I wonder what ours is. And I was like, I did the math. I was like, damn. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. according to the math, that's like anywhere between like 45 and 50 dogs a month. Yeah, which which I would say is relatively on par. Yeah. So and, and when you break it down like that, you know, you say, "Oh, fifty dogs a month," but then you think about it, and you're like, 50 dogs a month. That's crazy." Dogs a month, right? Yeah, that's a that's a lot. Pretty wild. Yeah. So, so well oiled uh, machine. That's it. So we've been cruising. So we're into the new year. Got new dogs coming in. Uh, we're gonna keep these next couple episodes just rolling with the talking about current dogs we have in. We got a couple new interesting ones in right now. The fighting dogs we talked about last time. Last episode actually did did pretty well i saw that one got a lot more streams and views than than typical um just across all of our platforms nice. um so i think people enjoyed that podcast i had a couple of people reach out to me about it specifically bless you allergies are going full swing today <laughs> so here's the thing right so like i'm i'm not allergic to dogs but i am allergic to cats and we own a cat and it usually does not bother me but every now and then if i'm really Snuggling up with him or something <sighs> gets a little rough. And I knew it last Man. night. I was like holding him and we're like hanging out in the chair. And I could like feel it slowly just. <laughs> just <laughs> fill in your sinus cavity. <laughs> fill in the sinus cavity. And I woke up this morning and I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so bear with me as my talking sounds funny. And I sneeze yeah. probably 17 times through this uh, podcast. I didn't know. I didn't even know that. Look at that. I learned yeah, something new. You know, I thought for a little bit that like 
can't you like grow out of some allergies? I thought like maybe I kind of grew out of the cat allergy, but yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think <laughs> it's just laying dormant. Yeah. Is it maybe maybe it's because you usually keep his his share his hair short. Maybe. It doesn't really mess with you too much. Yeah, when he's long haired and he's like not been to the groomer in a while, it definitely is worse. <laughs> All that cat dander flown around. For real. All right, so um Let's see. What do we got? So we got a new dog. Just got dropped off. We'll be posting some video of him here. I think Monday is when the vlog will be coming out from the drop-off. Nice. This is a dog. This is his uh, second time to us. Not for reasons that you'd think. Like he had to finish a board and try to come back for another one or anything. He actually came a month or so ago. It's this dog, Thor. And uh, big pity mix. Pity. Pretty big dog. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's here for all sorts of different issues, very reactive, kind of an asshole, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he stayed for a week with us, and uh, he fucking bit Michelle. So I had to send <laughs> right before I was getting ready to go on vacation. Yeah. So I sent him home, and I was like, he's going to have to come back <laughs> when I'm back in town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was, dude, this dude is a, he's a real sleeper. And And listen, so. We don't have bites very often, right? We typically put in place very, very good protocols to make sure nobody's getting injured or anything like that. And luckily, this wasn't a serious, serious bite by any means, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's a sleeper with shit, man. So he came in. He was very reactive, right? But, like, he, I'm almost 100% positive he did not have a prior bite record, right? There was, you know, he's... he's, Mm. Like I said, he's he's snarky and he's like a dick, but like most cases, those dogs, there's not a whole lot of commitment behind him. Yeah. Right. So we were, he was like a weekend, right? And and we were kind of taking our time with things, right? We weren't pushing the envelope too much. We were trying to build a relationship, do some food training, um, basic leash pressure stuff. And um, we were getting ready to start socializing with other dogs. It's like six days in, something like that. So we were going to put a muzzle on him, and Michelle went to go put the muzzle on him. And as soon as she went to go clip that thing behind his ears, he jumped up, boom, tagged her right in the pinky. Ah. <laughs> nice little pinky bite there. Yeah. <laughs> right? So so come to find out, right, as we're really kind of pushing things and testing things a little bit more with him, his biggest issue here is he does not want things put around his neck. Right? Mm. So, so – you know, obviously, anytime we we're in a situation where we have a dog that like kind of some of that aggression comes out of, we'll call it comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's a predictable thing, but like, you know, we weren't expecting it for sure. Um, you know, I like to, you know, essentially assign the dog to myself for a little bit. I work with the dog. I really push that envelope and see where are those quirks, right? What sort of things do we need to do in order to to keep him and everybody else safe, obviously. And and I was getting ready to go out of town, so there was no way I could do that. So I called the guy up. I was like, hey, listen, man. I was like, uh, this is what just happened. I was like, no big deal. We'll still train him, you know, but I'm getting ready to leave, so you're going to have to bring him back when I get yeah. back. <laughs> so he went <laughs> home. Choice. He spent about three weeks at home, and then he just got back here the other day. And uh, <laughs> he's been he has been a, a a fun one to work with so far, man. So so now as I've been really pushing the envelope, and the owner really didn't see a lot of this behavior before because nobody would be collaring him and like putting muzzles on him and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And honestly, outside of that, he was sketchy, but he wasn't doing anything really. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, he would react like when he yeah. came in, like he's fired up, like barking at everybody and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like. of the dogs that come here for board and train do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
So um, this time around, I had the owner muzzle him up uh, ahead of time, um, you know, noticing right off the rip, like the owner was like, man, I don't know if he's going to let me put this muzzle on. Not from the standpoint if he was scared the dog was going to bite him, but this dog just evades and resists any sort of anything being put on him, even from the owner. And I told him, I was like, listen, you know, we had him in for the the drop off. Obviously I was like, this is your first training lesson. I was like, you gotta get that muzzle on him. Right. I was yeah. like, you know, this is, especially if, you know, he wasn't going to bite him or anything like that. Right. He has a good relationship with his dog, obviously, where he's not scared of him from that standpoint. Yeah. But this dog is telling you, I don't want you to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And so much of the battle when working with these dogs is getting to a place where we're saying, listen, man, you have to, <laughs> You have to do it. You got to right? do it. You got to let me do this right now. Yeah. So it was funny. It took him like probably five, 10 minutes to get that thing on. Mm. Finally, he got that thing over his face. Dude, he was, this dog was fighting with every ounce of his being. He's like, do not put this thing on me. Do not put this thing on it. Finally, he got it on. I was like, all right, big victory. There's our first win, right? Mm. <clears throat> so we've been using the muzzle with him since. Um, and I've really been pushing the envelope with that collaring stuff. And man, I mean, he's only been here now for, I think, like five days. No, not even. I think maybe I think today is his fifth day, if mm. I'm not mistaken. Maybe even his fourth day, something like that. But um, he's he's been a pain in the ass, and like I said, he's he's such a sleeper with things because walking around perfectly fine, leash work, pets and training commands, stuff like that. Like he's doing fine with. He's it's just putting that freaking collar on, and he light. He's so fast with it too, right? Mm. So like he's got the muzzle on. And, you know, again, our Baskerville muzzles, they're not totally bite-proof, especially the larger sizes like he needs. They have fairly big holes in them that you could easily get your appendages in, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've been using uh, the muzzle, and then I've been putting, like, the bite gloves on, right? Mm-hmm. So they get these mm-hmm. big-ass, like, welding gloves that you could use. And I just take that collar, and I'm just going up. Zoop, I go to put it on, and it's like as soon as I, I like, get it under his chin and go like this, he just <laughs> <laughs> oh, flailing God. and snapping like yeah. crazy. Um, just, just being a pain in the ass with it. Right. And, and the root of all of these problems, this is the interesting thing with all these cases, right? It's 100% fear-based. Now, does that make it acceptable? No. No. Right. But it's, he's so scared. I mean, you could tell, right? Like Mm -hmm. he, he loosens up a little bit, like when we're not doing the collaring stuff, but he definitely is scared of us. Right. Mm. And when I go to put that collar on, dude, you see like every, it's like, it's like you could see his body language change from like, I'm scared. I'm tensing every freaking muscle in my body. My tail's totally tucked, holding his breath, whale eyes, right? And then it's like, <laughs> collar goes right here, and it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Which is all these damn dogs, right? They just explode it like that, mm-hmm. right? And it's not like he's coming after me. It's not like he's pursuing me or anything like that. He's just trying to get me to go away, right? So a lot of people, right, look at situations like this, and they're like, well, how do we go about fixing that, Right? And it's, it's such a multi-step process because there's plenty of people that will say that the correcting for the behavior is what fixes that problem. There's mm. plenty of people that will say counter-conditioning is what's going to fix that problem. Mm. Uh, and in actuality, what I've found is that it's kind of a combination of the two, right? Mm. So first and foremost is I 
contrary to a lot of things that I say when it comes to like don't worry about punishment creating additional stress or additional fear or anything like that, I don't want to make it a worse experience initially unless I have to, right? Mm. So so I'm not jumping right in and correcting this behavior, right? I don't think that would be very productive in this case because when you get into these dogs that with those fear-based explosions where they like bottle it up so tight and then just launch it out, I think sometimes that actual response that you get of the snapping and stuff is just borderline uncontrollable because they're so tightly wound in that situation, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And and I might be able to suppress it a little bit further with mm. a correction if I really need to, right? Mm. But ultimately, he's got to realize that me putting collars on is just not that big of a deal, yeah. right? 100%. Now. The reason why it's also not a counter conditioning process is because I'm not also going to focus on like keeping him under threshold and keeping him happy where it's like I approach like collar reward, collar reward, and then mm-hmm. go a little closer and then go a little closer and then go a little closer, right? Yeah. Because at that point, he's never learning to work through those emotions that actually stress him to the point of reacting, right? Mm-hmm. So what have we been doing? I've just literally been putting the collar on and off about a gazillion times every single time I take him out for a session, right? Mm. And here's what it usually looks like, right? Day one, took him out, right? And I'm, I'm not even talking training collars. I'm talking like his flat collar, mm-hmm. right? Went over, unclipped it, took it off, thrashed around like crazy, right? Went back, put it on, thrashed around like crazy, Went back, took it off, thrashed around like crazy. And then little by little, each time I did it, like four times in, it would be like a little less of a response. Mm -hmm. And then fifth time, it was like a little less of a response. And then sixth time, it was like a little less of a response, right? And then seventh time, it was like he got super fucking tense and like growled a little bit, but didn't snap, right? Mm -hmm. Then next time, super tense and like growled a little bit, but didn't snap. And then next time, super tense, but no growling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just progressively, as I just did it over and over and over and over and over and over again, he just started to slowly realize, okay, wait a minute. He's literally not doing anything. Yeah. (laughs) He's literally not doing anything, right? Yeah. And, And he just started getting used to it. Additionally, right? If we look at the reinforcement behind the behavior he was exhibiting, which was the growling, the snapping, the freaking out, stuff like that, there is strong, strong reinforcement of him doing that and us stopping doing the thing, right? Which is very important Mm -hmm. for owners to realize because how this stuff gets really, really out of hand is when you have a young dog or, or an adult dog, whatever, and they've never rehearsed a behavior like that before. And then suddenly one day you go to put a, coat on them or something right and they don't like it and they kind of growl at you a little bit or give you a little you know or something like that and then we stop right and immediately we've trained the dog that that behavior works right Mm. that behavior accomplishes the goal of the coat doesn't get put on then where i always tell everybody assuming you're not doing anything that's actually like harmful to the dog or hurting them or something that's actually scary right Mm -hmm. If you run into a situation where your dog tries to tell you no over something like that, you've got to persist still, right? And you've Mm got to get them to realize, okay, I tried that thing, even if it was the first time they ever tried it, and it did not accomplish anything, right? Because as this builds, you get dogs like... (laughs) As this builds, you get dogs like Thor, right? Because... This probably wasn't, he probably tried to do that a bunch of times with the owner in a minor scale, right? Of like, mm-hmm. I saw the nonsense he was giving him, like trying to put the muzzle on, right? And mm-hmm. then what happens is the owner gives up eventually, which is why I told him with the muzzle, you got to get this thing on him. Mm-hmm. He's got to realize all this nonsense of this fighting doesn't work with you. Right? Yeah. 
But if it works, 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 works on minor scales, what's going to happen is if that's patterned into his brain, in a case like me where I'm not stopping, right, I'm going in and giving in, the first time he tries that behavior and it doesn't work, the next time he's going to try it more intensely because it, this always works, right? In his mind, it's like this behavior always works and makes them stop, but it's not working now, so that just means I need to try harder, and it amplifies and mm. turns into more dangerous behaviors. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, like I said, we've been doing that. Like every session I've taken him out so far starts with like 15 collars on and off, right? And we're making some headway with it. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. still very, very uncomfortable with it. And again, we haven't done anything from a training tool standpoint, really. Like I put a a Starmark collar on him, which is like a plastic pinch, and just Mm -hmm. have been doing very basic leash pressure. But it's like not really even corrections involved in it and stuff. It's just general leash guidance. Like nothing that's going to create any additional stress or anything. He's still at this point way too stressed out to even take food in training. Mm -hmm. Like I even tried, we had these little fucking sausages at the facility. Like they're like basically like beef jerky like mm. little things right yeah and i try to offer them those uninterested in them stuff like that so so we got some work cut out for us and this is a situation where i'm i'm not even interested in i'm not even interested in like moving quickly to the e-collar or or fancy obedience commands and all that kind of stuff because the first thing i got to focus on here is getting this dog comfortable working with me mm-hmm. right this is where You know, a lot of people talk about relationship building with dogs and stuff. This is a prime example of like, I do need to develop a little bit of a relationship with this dog so I can more effectively coach him through things. And that's going to take one, a little bit of time two, a little bit of him realizing that I'm not going to stand down to his behaviors Uh, and three working at a more moderate pace with things to Mm -hmm. allow him to get comfortable with each step before I move on to the next. Right. So that's kind of real behavioral modification work when we do it is far less about the commands and stuff, right? We're, it's just, it's not that much of a priority. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Sounds like a, a great time. Um, do, does he have any, like, problems with, I mean, I know you haven't done a lot of it, but but guiding him with a leash and, and or the collars, does he have any problem with that? No, that's the, that's <clears throat> the, the funny thing about him, right, is like leash pressure and stuff. Like there, there's been absolutely zero outward displays of like quote unquote aggression mm-hmm. anywhere aside from putting collars on him. That's crazy. Anywhere aside from it, which is why, like I said, he was here for a week before before we mm-hmm. had an incident with him. Yeah, because we weren't really <clears throat> needing to to do anything with training tools. We were just working food stuff with him, right, and working mm-hmm. uh, some confidence building related things and everything. Yeah. So yeah, and and I think. You know, I needed to put a collar on him, I think, twice over the course of that first week, take one on and off. And mm-hmm. I just took my time with it, worked really, really slow, and I didn't get any responses out of him, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we just got lucky that first week with it. So, yeah. No, but, but you know, again, still very scared. So, like, the leash pressure stuff, like, he does a lot of, like, you could tell he's stressed. And if you go to, like, like walk him down the hallway past the dogs and stuff, like, he'll really walk slowly and he's apprehensive and stuff. So in addition to that, I've been focusing on a lot of socialization stuff with him. Like, every day when I get to work, I usually bust him out and I take him into the break room with me. And usually one of the trainers has, like, one of their dogs and stuff. And I'll just bring him in there, let him chill. And the first two days that I did that... Same deal. He put himself under the break room table against the wall and just like did not come out. And yesterday was the first time that I brought him in and he started off doing that. And then Kayla had a pizza, her little 
fucking dog in there, yeah. right? And he was like kind of interested in pizza. I'm like kind of came out to try to sniff, came out to try to sniff. And then little by little was like sniffing more and more and more and kind mm. of coming up to the trainers and stuff. So we're making headway. It's just this is one of those cases where like you just can't rush it. You know what yeah. I mean? The timeline side of things is you are at the dog's discretion with some of this stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And, and we can continue moving along and teaching new skills and stuff. But the, the time is really so much of this battle, yeah. you know? And this is why dogs like him are the reason why there are some training programs out there that do, like, six-week boarding trains and stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Because in some cases, like, if it takes us, usually it takes us about three weeks to to fully do all of the training, and we have, like, a week for, like, wiggle room as far as the beginning and the end side of things. Mm-hmm. But let's say, hypothetically, it took us four weeks to train the dog. If you're doing a six-week board and train, you have an extra two weeks to develop that relationship with the dog initially. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not in any sort of rush with these types of things. Like when I've run into situations like this before with dogs, because you don't get that many dogs like this in, right, that are like this limited with how much progress you can make over the first week or so, obviously, because of the relationship building side of things. Um, You know, dogs like this before, like I've offered for people, yo, I'll give you a, a free extra week just to keep the dog here and, and, mm-hmm. and they can hang out and you know what I mean? Continue to, yeah. to kind of thrive through stuff. Cause, cause you could easily, and I've talked about this before in board and train formats, you could so easily run into this boat where it's like, Oh no clocks ticking, you know, like I yeah. gotta get a move on. And then it's like, even it's been a week and it's like, he's still not quite where I want him to be before I move on to the next step, but I have to move on to the next step. And then you rush it. And then it's like, it might work out, but you also might kind of shoot yourself in the foot and like yeah. undo some of the stuff you did that first week. Mm-hmm. So that's tough. I see that a lot, man. Yeah. I think that, that shows how crazy it is even. I think it was when we were talking with Tyler mm-hmm. um, about like people that have like these weird little like two week boarding trains. And yeah. it's like, that has to be so stressful. Yeah. And again, there's there's a place around the corner from us that does primarily... I think two week board trains. I think mm-hmm. they've. I think, and again, I'm. I'm I, I don't know that much about about what this place does, obviously. Yeah. But for a while, I know they were doing primarily two week board and trains. I think they might be offering like a three or a four week program now, in addition to those. Mm-hmm. But I've seen this place post like update videos and stuff like that, and one of them in particular, I remember seeing, and it was like kind of disheartening because it's like all these do- like th- this place has this like. The way they post stuff, it implies there's this curriculum we work through. And week one is we're always working on this. Week two, we're always working on this. Or five days and we're working on this. Five days we're working this, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all the dogs should, like, stay on that same exact plan throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And they'll kind of post update videos, whether it's, like, once a week or whatever it is, of all of the dogs working the exact same thing. Like, they're staying on plan with things, mm-hmm. right? And there was one recently I saw this place post. They were working with this, like, Doberman or something. And I'm just, like, you know, casually scrolling through them. And first dog looks pretty good. Second dog looks pretty good. Third dog looks okay. Fourth dog is just, like, a disaster. (laughs) Right? And and, and not a disaster as far as, like, not doing the things properly or anything like that. Mm. But, like, you could see in the video just how unbelievably stressed and like uncomfortable the dog was and how much the dog was being just rushed through things Mm -hmm. for the point or for the purpose of getting past um, the stage that the dog needed to get past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I don't know, you know, I, I not here to judge everybody else or anything like that, but like I, I look at that and then I look at other things that I've seen this place 
talk about from the standpoint of like two weeks, you know, we only do two weeks and stuff. And I'm like, that's why, because like, though that dog will probably be fine. Like, it's not like there's dogs that aren't stressed out with us. Like that for sure happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and I'm not anti dog should be stressed by any means, but like if you had a little bit more time, maybe you could have worked through some of these pieces and more so, you know, what was important about the video was it wasn't even that the dog was stressed, right? That, that I, I don't look too much into that because I don't know anything about the genetics of the dog. I don't know anything about how stressed the dog was when it started versus when it started training, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a hard thing to judge on. It was that in the video, they were working like four different things. They were working like sit stays, come command, healing, you know? Mm -hmm. And each one of those pieces, the dog was messing up a lot and yeah. getting a lot of corrections for it, which tells me that each of those individual pieces were not solid enough before moving on to combining the commands like that. Yeah. Right? Which is really where the rushing came into play is it wasn't even the stress. It was that the dog was not performing the individual pieces mm -hmm. fluently enough to be at that stage in things. Yeah. Right? Which, again, I get it. I made those mistakes before. I made those mistakes plenty of times. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, like, even the best dog, I feel like two weeks would be, like, a rush, you know? Yeah. Because they might get it, but they probably haven't grasped everything like perfectly the interesting thing with the short programs we've offered a couple of them in the past right mm -hmm. so like i've done we used to do three-week programs three-week programs was kind of like our standard mm -hmm. and what i found with the three-week programs is that there were a hell of a lot of dogs that did really good with it and it was enough time right but there was a lot of dogs that also needed just a little more time right or mm -hmm. the dog was like finishing things right at three weeks <coughs> no man <laughs> they were finishing things like right at three weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning we didn't give them enough time then to finish things and then build on some success. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Develop yep. some habits of doing it successfully. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, we used to offer some shorter programs. And I think I've done a couple like two weekers before. I think one time, like when I first started, I did like one or two, like one week board and trains, which used to be really popular back in the day because I think it was a really big selling point. Yeah. Leave your dog with us for a week. It won't be that expensive and we'll be able to train the dog. And it's like, there's just only so much you could do in that yeah. amount of time. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I remember one that was very successful that I did. That was a one-week program, but this is like the anomaly, right? Like, they don't all go like this. Right? Yeah. This dog was in town, and the reason why we did a one-week program as opposed to anything else is because the dog was in town from another state visiting family for one week. That's all they had, okay. right? This person had a bunch of other family members that trained with us, right? They really wanted to use us for services. They're like, what can we get done in this amount of time, right? So they came into it with the right expectations. They're like, we know this is short, right? Mm. We know there's only so much we're going to be able to do in this time. What is it that we're actually able to accomplish, right? Mm. So we they wanted to teach the dog better crate manners from the standpoint of being able to go into the crate. They wanted to teach the dog to walk better on a leash, and they wanted to teach the dog like a sit-stay. And I was like, mm. I think we can get those things done, Yeah. right? <laughs> and it wound up working out perfectly, right? Because I just broke up the sessions where I did three sessions a day with the dog, and I worked on each one of those pieces in each session, right? Mm. Dog went for a really long walk once a day, right? Leash walking is typically pretty easy to get started with dogs. It's pretty easy to get some good headway with, obviously. Yeah. We worked on the crate drills once a day where we taught it just like a bed stay, right? Teach the dog, go in the crate, go in the crate, go in the crate. 
and we worked um, sit stays in one session, right? Which is a, a sit stay is a very easy thing to teach with most dogs, just from the standpoint that the foundation of the initial command, which is sit, 99.9% of dogs know, right? So there's less teaching that goes into it. And generally speaking, when you're working with a dog, you're jumping right into proofing of that command. Mm. So that one worked out great. I think I did another one-week board and train a long, long time ago. This is when I first started that this was the time when we weren't even doing e-collar training with all the dogs. I think we just did, like, basic leash pressure work, some leash oh, okay. walking, some leash commands, things like that. But, again, there's some some downside to doing that because we know, obviously, the leash training stuff, if you're doing just leash and prong collar and trying to finish a dog on it, is very hard for people to maintain long-term. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. All right, so let's see. Last interesting client that we've been working with over the course of the last, actually, I just did a a second session with this dog just yesterday, right? Okay. So this dog uh, has done some previous training before, did some classes with us last year to start refining some of their skills, working on some reactivity issues, and I kind of adopted this client because it was a client of one of my former trainers um, that I've been do I've done my second lesson with now, right? So this dog, super reactive, right? Again, this dog will be in the vlog that comes up, I believe, Monday, potentially, right? And this dog is like the epitome of like the true like 0.0001% of dog reactivity cases. Like, oh, boy. Like freaking absolutely psycho dog right he's like i don't even know what he is he's like part monkey or some shit with the noises <laughs> that he makes he's this like brindle pity something mix but not even really a pity because he's really lanky and like long legs and mm-hmm. stuff like that dog is just a goddamn psycho like just basket case right mm. totally just just ah, just like his brain is doing this all the time yeah right very challenging dog right so in the past classes she did, made a lot of good progress and stuff. But as we see with some of these reactivity cases, sometimes you kind of plateau, right? Where it's like, all right, we're doing good. I could kind of get the dog to focus in around some things. I could kind of get the dog to keep its cool in other situations. And like, you know, you may, you typically you'll make progress like in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area. But then there's still this like last little bit that's just like, I just can't keep this dog under control, right? Mm. So... Listen, you know, obviously when we're dealing with these like 0.0001% reactivity cases, there are definitely times that you're going to be limited as far as how far you're going to get with it. But there's usually adjustments you can make to help get you even a little bit further with stuff, right? So we started implementing um, kind of some different techniques, right? Like we start implementing, because uh, the dog, like if you look at its different like reinforcements and how motivated it is by it, right? Leash, not very motivated by um, e-collar, very motivated by when not ridiculously stimulated. Food, pretty much always motivated by, right? Mm. So food at this point with this dog really is its primary reinforcer. And we implemented a lot of food in the past with the dog, but not not to the degree of like we are going to lean 100% into this food, right? Mm-hmm. So we started taking an approach where we basically are implementing almost like a force-free reactivity protocol with stuff, right? So you get into like a lot of force-free trainers talk about like the bat-cat system, which is like 
again, I, I always fuck this up every time, but it's like behavioral adjustment training and like conditioned association training or something like that, which is basically the process of like changing the dog's association with things and stuff like that. Mm. So we started implementing that to use in conjunction with the balance side of things and some of the corrections with stuff. So we mm. started off, we did a couple of sessions with the dog, or I should say we did one session with the dog. I did one session with the dog um, where we got the highest value treat that we could freaking find, right? And we started at the facility and we started bringing dogs around. And basically how this technique works is you start off by reinforcing the dog anytime they look at the trigger, right? Mm. So look at the trigger, good, boom. Look at the trigger, good, boom. Look at the trigger, good, boom, right? And what you're trying to do is you're trying to recondition the dog's association of when you see the trigger, look to me for a reward, right? Mm. Anticipate looking to me for a reward. As you're getting success with that, you start switching to Dog sees the trigger, wait for them to look at you, boom, reward. Dog looks at the trigger, wait for them to look at you, boom, reward, mm. right? <clears throat> so we implemented that for one session and basically said, let's take this e-collar and let's push it to the side for a minute, at least as far as corrections around the dog. Because what we were finding is just once he got into this crazy overstimulated state of mind, it just wasn't getting us anywhere, right? Yeah. It was truly just amping him up then at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's use the food reinforcement to bring him down to a more manageable level so that we could then re-add back in those firm corrections and then suppress that last remaining bit of things to get him down to a manageable level. And what we saw over the course of one session of doing this was a crazy adjustment in behavior where a lot of situations were really starting to approve. And basically she was, for better choice of words, able to at least distract the dog from reacting at other dogs. Mm. Again, it didn't fix the problem by any means just yet, but she was able to keep him from escalating to this point where he was full on lunging and pulling and screaming and, and going mm. bananas, right? So then we did our second session yesterday, right? We went out for the walk and we started off doing the exact same thing, right? So implementing the rewards, for uh, seeing the trigger, then disengaging from the trigger. But then what we started doing is we started adding in another criteria that we were going to start punishing for with the e-collar, right? Which we chose just simply if there was any tension on the leash, right? So if he pulled towards the trigger, right? Did that, gave one or two corrections, saw that then him actually respond to those corrections in a more successful manner as opposed to it amping him up because he was in a much more reduced state of arousal. He was actually able to bring his arousal down mm. even a little bit more, right? Which was cool. That's obviously yeah. the point of the correction. But the problem was before he was just too stimulated for that to work, right? Mm -hmm. So continued working with that a little bit, right? Then we started adding back in a little bit more of a criteria, like a downstay, right? And we were able to pass a couple of people, a couple of dogs, implementing a downstay, correcting if he wasn't holding the down, and then stabilizing that downstay with the food, with the same kind of principle of let's keep his attention on us, and saw a lot of progress from that as well, right? Now, when we get into dogs like this, this is an important thing, right? Is as trainers, what makes us good is two things. One, that we have a lot of tools in our toolbox, mm -hmm. right? So, that technique we implemented with just the food, again, it's, it's kind of more of a force-free approach. A lot of trainers from the balance standpoint don't really implement it in that specific of a fashion or they don't do it like standalone without any sort of corrections or anything like that. So, so we have all of these different tools at our disposal that we could implement 
And then additionally, we're able to successfully look at when our standard program is not working for a situation and make adjustments and pull from those other toolboxes, mm. right? So that's exactly what we did, obviously. We saw, all right, we've kind of capped out at how far we're going to get with things, right? We made yeah. some progress here, but like we're plateauing out here. What sort of adjustments can we make? And, you know, can we give those adjustments enough time to see the progress from it, right? Because even that approach, right, isn't going to work right off the rip 100% from the standpoint of like, all right, well, we're going to implement this approach with the food, and I expect to see as soon as I start implementing it that it just fixes the problem. Yeah. It, it obviously doesn't work no. that way, right? No, no. We're kind of trialing things out and taking it week by week of like, all right, we're going to implement this technique, and I want to see after a week what sort of progress are we seeing with it. And then if it looks like we're moving in the right direction, all right, let's keep plugging along along that path that we create. If we notice that, again, we're plateauing out with certain things as far as that, but maybe it got us a little bit, then we pull from another tool in the toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. And we start working down that road. And that's the one thing that I like is when we get kind of challenging cases like that in is when we hit that point where we really do need to experiment a little bit and figure out what the right approach is, right? Similar mm -hmm. to everybody's heard us talk about Hank the Rottweiler, who was also one of those like 0.0001% reactivity cases. And, you know, he had a similar situation, right? You could actually go read his owner's review on Google, right? She did a board and train with us, went home from the board and train, made a lot of progress, still had that last little bit that she was just not getting any headway with. And it wasn't mm -hmm. due to lack of trying or anything. And we needed to experiment a little bit, try different things, right? We wound up figuring out a different way to, to correct for him, right? The bonker wound up being very effective with him and that in combination with um, once we suppress the behavior a little bit more, adding in the food rewards with stuff, wound up getting him the rest of the way that we needed to get him there, right? Mm -hmm. um, the problem is, you know, in Hank's case, he was still responsive to correction, just a different type of correction when he was overstimulated. This mm -hmm. dog, not the case, yeah. right? Like bonker, e-collar, leash, pet corrector, anything like that. Just when he was overstimulated, he was overstimulated. You were mm -hmm. not getting anywhere with it, mm -hmm. right? So we had to figure out a way to, again, keep that arousal a little bit lower, right? <clears throat> so that we could then correct while he was in a less aroused state of mind. So we were leveraging all of our reinforcement really effectively with stuff. Yeah. So that's been another interesting case. I'll be really interested to see over the next couple of weeks how that dog does. Um you know, it, it, it's tough, obviously, because a dog like that needs a lot of exposure to stuff. But like with the weather, the way it is, mm -hmm. you only get so many pass bys. Like yesterday, we did a two hour session because she drives up from Kent, which is like an hour away. Mm -hmm. um, and I think over the course of those two hours, we saw four dogs, maybe, you yeah. know, which is good. I mean, we got good practice in still, but mm -hmm. it's like it was not. Yeah. Like in a summer day at Edgewater, yeah, we'll say. see like 40 dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, get a lot of progress. But honestly, the other side of things is like that could work in your favor sometimes because you're not totally flooding and overwhelming the dog initially with stuff. Mm -hmm. You could have like one pass by and then we were able to have like 10 minutes of just like decompression, walking, him doing well, stuff like that. Then it's like, all right, here's another one. We worked through it. Then a little bit of time to just chill and everything. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's another interesting one we've been working with. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I think there's really good information there for um, maybe newer trainers because, especially if <clears throat> I don't know, you're fluent in what it's kind of like languages, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're fluent in this one way of your training, right, and you're just 
throwing, you know, you're you're throwing the same thing over and over at this dog, and mm-hmm. you know, you're just hitting your head against a wall, basically. Yeah, and it's like taking that that time to like take a step back and like, okay, this isn't working. Like you said, let's try this other tool. You know, mm-hmm. like how do we break past that? And I I think that is you know a thing that people get stuck on a lot is, well, this is how I know how to do it, and like we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work, you know? Yeah. And the dog's just like, like you said, overstimulate. He's never going to get it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, again, I've, I've done that before in the past where it's mm. like when you have less tools in your toolbox or you just like, you haven't had enough experience with dogs that are super difficult where it's like, this should work. Yeah. Right. And you just like keep trying over and over and over again. And it's mm-hmm. like, you just plateau. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like that is only going to get you so far. Right. And you mm-hmm. have to know when the time is to pull that plug on that mm-hmm. and try something else versus, but the balances versus not pulling out too quick. Cause there's so many situations I tell everybody, I was like, like, I know this is going to work, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to just trust the program. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You've got to trust the process. And if you follow through with it enough, you'll get that success. Mm-hmm. You know, even when it may seem like there's no way this is ever going to work. Yeah. You know, um, you've, you've got you to know when when is the right one for both sides, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you said it correctly with the term balance. The balance. The balanced training. Yeah. And that's why, it, you know, the the more tools you have in your box, the better you're going to get it. That's it. So we'll give everybody uh, we'll give everybody some updates on these dogs next session, obviously. Yeah. We're going to end this on that. I've got some lessons i got to go do. This yeah. is an early one. This is, it's that week back, you know? Yeah. I'm real excited to hear about that, that first dog, though. That's going to be a fun... My boy. Yeah, it's Thor. gonna be a fun time. Thor. Of I course know. he would be Thor. He's you know? gonna he's gonna love me eventually. <laughs> yeah. All these dogs. I always say I was like, you might not like me now. You're gonna like me later. <laughs> You're gonna really like me You're later. You're gonna like me. <laughs> All right, Josh. You got anything to add? Nope. Other than that, that was good. It was great. All right, gang. Well, until next time, y'all have a good start to your new year. Yes. Peace. <laughs>